I don't know if we're going to get this done. <laughs> what y'all don't know is how many times we've attempted to do this podcast. Oh, my God. Five times? This is, this is our fifth take. Probably. Yeah. Tried it yesterday, and everything was off. I think it threw off all of our karma. I don't know what's happening. We're going to try to get through this podcast, y'all. <laughs> dark times. Dark times in America right now. Let uh, us know. Are you guys team Facebook <laughs> or team Skype? Because I have thoughts. You have thoughts? No, I'm just like, I'm very interested in how other podcasts do it because I know a lot of people do use Skype, but I know that a lot of people also, they use Skype, but they only use like the audio. So they're, they're not like seeing each other, which I don't think I could ever do. Like it would be like a phone call, which I'd have to get used to, but I'm just used to like looking at you guys as we're talking. And I think it helps with our conversation. I think it does too. When you can see like me going, oh man. Is she gassy? Is she stroking out? <laughs> I think intent. It, it, I think it does ease the conversation. I don't know. I've seen people use all kinds of other app. There's there's an app for every fucking Twitch out there, mm-hmm. and I've tried all of those apps before in the early incarnations. We have two podcasts before we did this one, and uh, you know, just fucking around. And we paid for one, and we paid for another and they just uh, they're all bullshit they all rely on the sa- the uh, satellites the same fucking satellites mm-hmm. so it's like cell phone towers Verizon Ver- what's Verizon's bought up more than the other carriers maybe that's not even true anymore so that's why they're like they can kind of set their rules so I don't know what it is I feel like this is a little hot but we'll see we'll see okay um okay so the world's on fire little bit and uh my question to you is uh when do you plan to drop out of the democratic race i don't know i have to tell my cats pretty soon because they're very excited about it i went in to vote and i think i saw your name Mm -hmm. i saw my name Mm -hmm. i was like going through i voted on sunday and it just i kept scrolling (laughs) there was like five people on there well people who had already dropped out like cory booker was still on my ballot and then there was like other people i didn't even know were running (laughs) yeah and I know that happens, but because there's so many people in the race this mm-hmm. year, there's like 27 names on there. And then you so. saw my name, but like misspelled into oblivion. Right. Yeah. You were Andra. Yeah. Yeah. You were Andra. Michael Who's. Andre um, Megal Maybelline. Yeah. But I knew you were going to drop out, so I didn't, you know, waste my vote for you. We kind of, we so, have, I feel like we kind of have to disclaim that we're joking because it's, that's where our political system is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's true. Don't get anybody's hopes up because, you know, at this point, you or I would look like pretty good. So I couldn't. <laughs> if Biden is doing this well, I mean, you know, things are tough. I mean, I know if y'all love Uncle Joe, I'm not trying to wind you up, but come on. I think the only reason that Biden's doing so well is because people are scared to death of Bernie. There's either you're either gung ho for Bernie and you're ready to die for him. Or you're, like, scared to death of him. Well, it's either that or you see, like, the Joe Biden impersonations on SNL and you don't have the nuance to realize that they're actually making fun of him. <laughs> exactly. The, the year was 19, what do you do? And <laughs> <laughs> We were down at the skickle skackle. And we know what he's going to be like for as president. We know he's going to be old gropey, out of touch uncle at the table who's had one too many glasses of, you know, Hennessy. And he loves everybody, understands nothing, and needs a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's understanding. And then yep. and then there's, there's the big rumor that Kamala Harris is going to be the V. But, you know, that's cool. 
That'll be cool. I'm I I think it's crazy that it's gotten to a point where the the VP is probably going to be a lot more competent if Biden is the nominee. <laughs> well, we've done this before in this country. I mean, the most recent memory was uh, Dick Cheney was president for eight years, and W just kind of flapped around on <laughs> Air Force One. Yeah, he'd never even been out of the country. He's like, "Oh my God, look at the ground from here!" And Dick Cheney was just like, "We're going to go to war, guys. We're just going to do what I want to do." Um, so I think this will be. Kamala Harris, you know, it'll be her party issue or whomever she's going to get to. But I feel like, you know, because Amy Klobuchar dropped out today. Um, Mayor Pete dropped out what yesterday, the last 48 hours. So and they're flying. They're endorsing Biden and they're flying to, to where is it? Dallas or wherever. And they're going to be on the stage with Biden. So so he's promised them what cabinet positions. Yep. Um, massages, candy. I don't know. So I feel like, you know, the fix is in for Biden. But I can't. Am I just naive after all my years on the planet that believing that Warren just doesn't have a shot at this? I don't no. know, man. I don't she know. She just doesn't. Well, I can't help that. You know what you can help? You can help uh, not get the coronavirus by washing your hands. This is the word on the street. Yeah. So, um, do you wash your hands as much as I've been washing my hands? I feel like the skin is coming off of my hands and I'm just washing like yeah. my skeleton yeah, at this I've point. Yeah, I wash my hands like six times a day. And that makes it sound like I, I used to never wash my hands. I, I definitely did. I'm, I'm not a gross person. But now I like go out of my way to like duck into a bathroom and, and wash my hands really quick. Yeah. I noticed today that when I walked into, we have this like sort of like a computer lab at our school with all like the audio tech for, for all of our electronic music projects. And I realized that, oh my God, there are so many people using these workstations every day and it's never getting cleaned. And I'm just like, I wish we had like alcohol wipes to wipe down like the keyboards and the pianos. Cause like, cause like at the gym, you know, you have to like wipe everything down after you're done with it. Like, I feel like the same principle should apply here. And I definitely know it's not being cleaned every day. Cause like all the computer racks just have like dust on them. And it's just like, it's just being currently neglected. So I emailed my professor. He was like, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Let me check with operations. Um, so, yeah, I'm just like everything now I'm, I'm just looking at it and I'm just like I'm walking around with like my long sleeve shirts and I'm like opening things with like my sleeve like <laughs> all the way up as my hands. I look like Ariana Grande just like grabbing everything <laughs> with just the sleeves of my shirts. See, I'm at an age where, and I also live in a neighborhood of like grumpy, like uh, middle-aged um, hippie Jewish people. Uh, not that I'm Jewish, but I could pass. I just feel like I could just full on wear like pretty much a hippie version of a hazmat suit and no one would blink here. You just get a Trader Joe's like just head to toe latex and no one would even notice because I'm already seeing it. I've seen a few face masks out. I've seen... Uh, people with plastic gloves on you know yeah part of me wants to laugh and part of me is laughing nervously on the inside <laughs> i'm like okay but i'm glad that you know people are aware i don't think anybody wants to see like stacks on stacks of bodies i think just the regular ass flu of the season every year kills people yeah. So, you know, I don't think anybody, I think it's it's fine to be a little paranoid. I think it's okay to be a little paranoid right now. I think it's necessary to be a little Yeah, paranoid. whatever you can do. Um, I promised I wouldn't spiral about coronavirus, so that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, we spent like 25 minutes spiraling on yesterday's <laughs> podcast that we never posted. 
the podcast you will never hear. Oh, uh, I kind of went into like bats and dogs and cats and I, I got a little the lost episode crazy. that no one will ever hear. <laughs> That's right. There's several of those. Yes, down under. Um, I just feel like I just started watching. <laughs> I just started watching. Um, I just started watching a uh, monk with Ian. We had never seen monk before, and it's. I just I didn't choose to watch monk because of the coronavirus COVID-19 but I did choose to watch it because you know it just it popped up at the head of my prime and prime knows that I'm getting older prime prime used to suggest like rock documentaries and you know sex and drugs and rock and roll kind of titles and now it's like you would like to watch monk wouldn't you (laughs) you're 55 (laughs) and you know they know because I'm like of course they would I love the stylings of Tony Shalhoub before is he was Monk on Marvelous and Basil. Is Monk that show with those two guys and one of them is like basically That's a psych. Sherlock Holmes? Oh, you're right. That's Psych. That I've never seen before. Um, this is Monk. Psych is actually pretty good too. But Monk is Tony Shalhoub, um, early days. I don't know when the show first started. I'm sure Monk fans would beat me to death. But it's like, it's got kind of its own cult following. And he has OCD. I don't know what level. I haven't gotten that far in the show. But he actually is a retired cop whose wife has died in a car bomb. I mean, fuck, let's just pack all this in the pilot. Uh-huh. And then he <laughs> travels around with a, a kooky nurse who's helping him out. And they bring him in because he's brilliant Columbo-like Sherlock Holmes detective. Um and he's got really high-level deductive powers. I don't know if he has Asperger's on top of his OCD. I don't know what it is, but um, he Shalib is wonderful at this because he comes in and he just he knows who's been smoking Newports <laughs> and who's doing what, and it's fascinating. But it also makes you like want to scrub your house or set it on fire. <laughs> Because you're just fair, like, fair. but I also at the end of watching like the pilot, I was like, I think I am monk though. I mean, the same things that they're characterizing that bug him, bug me. Like when people don't wipe their mouth or people like there's something obviously out of place. I mean, I'm not too bad, but I think I'm on the spectrum of something, you know, I'm just way too poor to go and find out. <laughs> if I lived in Sweden, I would know. <laughs> Or Canada. <laughs> they had, we had a better health care system. I'd probably know uh, just how far along I am with the whole OCD thing. But I just feel like Monk has got some solutions for me. And I just feel like it was apropos. I swear to God, just probably subconsciously I picked the show. But we had no idea. Ian was like, I didn't know it was like this kooky and lighthearted and funny and vast and very well done. We were kind of shocked at how good it was. Mm. So, Because I, like, I see a lot of network shows and people are like, they swear by them, and then I go and I watch them, and then I start judging my friend for recommending that show, because I'm like, you're a basic bitch. I don't think I've, <laughs> I don't, I have never recommended you a, a network show, I don't think. I watched like no. two of them, and I'm not sure I want to tell you which ones I watched. Oh, come on. You, this is the place to tell me. We are a recommendation <laughs> show. Come on. I won't. I swear to God, I won't judge you. Okay. Like, not to your face. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Behind your back, all day. Um, to your face, never. Well, 
I have to give I have to like defend myself a little bit because I started watching these in high school and like there's just some things that you just don't let go of from high school. Um but one of them is how to get away with murder. Um and the other one is elementary which so- kind of sounds like what monk is only it's a little more literal and I think there are some things that you would love in elementary, and I think there are some things that you would absolutely hate. So I'm not going to recommend it to you. But <laughs> if I've anyone... heard good things about both of those shows, huh? I've heard good things about both of those shows. Oh well, that's good. So you don't like never want to do a podcast with me again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Even if you were like, "Oh my god, we have to watch," I won't give an example of a bad show because that's just going to shut people out. But there, you know, I mean, people love what they love. Like I've always said this: if you're like totally into those network shows and that's your thing, like I'd never really seen Law and Order SVU. I'd never. I'm just not a person who likes to watch those shows. Mm-hmm. Also, have like a fundamental feeling that they kind of set you up for. Uh, weird expectations of like what law enforcement can do. I know that's a very strange thing to say because you can't, a lot of crimes go unsolved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crime work is very messy. It's very human. And we expect a lot of law enforcement that they're just not capable of. Either they're not funded or they're just human beings. They have to sleep. Well, that's the the thing that drew me to elementary because there are, there are definitely the first couple of seasons, like they are solving every single crime, but it does come to a point where there's just one, the episode ends and they haven't solved it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's actually like, it's really poignant. See, that's cool. Like the way they ended it, it was like really like poignant. Cool, but... yeah. yeah. But like, I, I, I do have to admit, like after a while, by like season four, it starts to get, because it is a procedural, it's episodic. So it does start to get a little monotonous and you have to take breaks from it. But there there's some solid writing going on there. And I, I, the, the more interesting thing about the show is the character dynamics and the characters themselves rather than the actual crimes that they're solving i've always stood by that with that show because like they're, yeah. the the crimes are entertaining and how they solve it is for sure but even like the formulaic way of how like they go to a crime scene and then all of a sudden they decide to talk about their feelings i'm like that's when the show shines because i do think they have a good grasp of these characters but um well all I, shows are like that yeah. All shows are, you know, any good show that we love has got great characters that we relate to. They're, the the MacGuffin that got you there is the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say about SVU is I didn't have a judgment about Law and Order. I just fundamentally didn't go to it for that reason. And then because I was forced to watch it <laughs> because I was waiting for Mr. Robot to come <laughs> yeah. on season four. Then I started like to watch it. And you guys have heard me if you've been listening to the Robot cast going, oh, shit, this show's actually pretty good. You know, this was fun mm-hmm. to watch. And I didn't continue to necessarily carry on to watch it, but now if it's on or like we're up late at night and we, we don't have a British, you know, crime show to watch, which what am I telling you? They always have a, they're always making a British crime drama. Yeah. Um, but if you ever want to take a break and hear an American accent, I, I would have not be not opposed to that at all. And I've also heard really good things about how to get away with murder. I mean, it's Viola Davis, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would watch her like literally order at Starbucks for an hour. Like, it's she, got a great. Cast. She can do no wrong. Yeah, I love her. A, I would show up for that just because of her. Yeah. So there's some solid um, stuff. And like, going I see on. stuff like Tommy. Uh, Tommy's coming out, and it's got Edie Falco in it. I'll watch that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I don't. I'm not opposed to these things, and I'm really not super judgy. I just there are some things that people watch, and that's all they watch. They just. It's one thing for you to snack on like 
terrible food, but like if that's just someone's diet is just trash. You can say Grey's Anatomy. It's okay. Well, I you know <laughs> I watched the first three years of Grey's. I watched up until I watched the season after Denny died. Uh, that's where I first encountered um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So, I, I I just didn't watch it past a certain point. Apparently, a lot's happened. Apparently, <laughs> how many? Like, how many seasons? They're like fifteen seasons in, or something crazy like that. Fifteen, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like you know, as I'll probably jump on board that at some point and check it out because everybody's talking about it. Because uh, Alex is leaving, so I'm like, okay. I, I watched swing the back I watched the first like three episodes of Grey's, and then I realized it wasn't for me. Same thing kind of happened with House. I stuck around for a little bit longer. But it was just like, it got to a point where like the characters weren't doing it for me, so I just like dropped it. Yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is, and I think sometimes you go through phases where you, you maybe you're going through a tough time, and a show either comforts you or repulses you. I think you know for the longest time because my mother had Alzheimer's, I, I just could not watch any medical procedural. Mm-hmm. Um, there would always be that every tenth episode there would be some woman who didn't recognize her husband in the er and i was like okay i can't this is not a way for me to escape so i you know avoided those things and they usually have like 24 episode seasons and it's it can just be a lot to get through sometimes (laughs) (laughs) like does it ever fucking end i feel like i serve my network show time by watching this is us i stayed with it i'm gonna watch it to the very end i watched the good place I, you know, I have my network packadillo. I will watch these shows. I don't think they're bad at all. I think they're, and I don't think people who watch these shows are trash. Not everybody needs to watch HBO stuff. I just kind of started drifting more toward that because I don't like the commercials and I love me some cursing. Well, I like, uh, I like the sex sometimes. I'm just saying. Well, I guess Shit's Creek would also count as a network, I guess. I don't know. When I think of network <laughs> TV, I think of like ABC, CBS, and NBC. Like, just, like, the main yes. shows coming out from there, and sometimes Fox. That's what I think yeah, about same. with work. yeah. Same. But shits, I guess, if you're Canadian, that's that also... for Canadians, network. yeah. Pop TV. Speaking of... Oh, my God. You like that segue? I um, loved it. It was beautiful. You're getting, you're getting really good at the segues there. <laughs> we wanted to stop down and talk about just the latest episode, because we are going... I think we are planning on doing some sort of... Um, episode on the show once it finally ends but i think we have a lot of feelings about this latest episode that we need to talk out in a therapeutic like way so spoilers ahead for i'm just gonna say up until where we are now so we're like eight episodes into season six um so just in case we spoil anything from the other episodes but this past episode we saw the end of ted and alexis (sighs) Did they have a couple name? I don't know Are what it would Alexa be. Alexa Ted. Texas? To... Is it Texas? Yeah. I could think it'd be Texas. <laughs> Just Texas. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was coming. It blindsided not... me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were all blindsided. He looks at me and he goes, is it me or is this dark as shit? <laughs> this is really dark for Shit's Creek. And I was like... Yeah, because wasn't in this, am I, am I high? Wasn't this the episode where David and Moira were wine tasting? No, that was the week before. Oh, okay. So what was going on with, where was David, where was, what was everybody else doing? They were doing doing the wedding photos 
and Patrick got like the the tan, the spray tan. That's right. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yes, that was. So a good they one. did balance it with really comedic stuff, but every time I'm just like, I was just blindsided by it. I like did not see it coming at all. Which is like, if you go back to when we did do our Schitt's Creek season five and before episode a couple of months ago, we did talk about how Dan Levy does really like to just zigzag our expectations on these things. And I think because we're, we're so accustomed to the rhythm of the show and like, it's for the most part, very happy go lucky and like very like wholesome. And I mean, like, I think I just like sort of, sort of subconsciously expected, you know, Ted and Alexis to just end up together, whether that be an engagement at the end of the season or just kind of leave it at, they're still together and they'll probably get married. But instead, like they've crafted this, really interesting situation for both of the characters that just satisfies their characters and what they need and what they want in very interesting ways and when the when the episode ended i felt very i wasn't angry you know what i felt it was (laughs) this is gonna sound really weird i felt similarly at the end of that episode to when i first saw the red wedding (laughs) in game of thrones (laughs) Now, hear me out. (laughs) Hear me out. When I saw the Red Wedding, it was that feeling of I felt like the show was doing right for a long time. And I felt like at the moment, emotionally, that that was a misstep. And then I thought about it more. And then the more I thought about it, it made sense. It was a similar situation with this. When the episode ended and I was like, did they just step into the wrong room for me? Like... What was this? I yeah. I didn't know how to handle it, but the more I thought about it, and thankfully some people on Twitter were also talking it out, so I got to jump in on that. But like you think about what Alexis character Alexis's character means, and before this show started, you know, she was off, you know, gallivanting around the world with with throngs of different men from week to week to week. And that's how she kept herself happy. And that's how she kept herself busy. But for her to make the decision to end the relationship because she knows that it's the only way to keep both of them happy. It was it was just a very well-rounded moment for Alexis's character. Because if you remember in season five, when the whole Galapagos thing came up at first, Alexis was going to let Ted just not go. And there was that right. there was that moment of Ted being kind of like a little angry about it, and then they made up at the end, and and you know Alexis is like, I'll go with to the Galapagos with you, but now she's made the decision like it's it, where our paths have just diverged, like it's it's just not going to work. So once I came to terms with that, I felt a lot better about it, and watching the behind the episode also really helped. But yeah, did you have any f- similar feelings? Like, did you feel like there was a misstep at first and then you sort of worked your, re- your way around to it? Or, like, did you get it immediately? Here, it, it, Here's my initial thought was, I mean, off the bat, was this is why I love voices from other rooms walking into the main stage room. Because Dan Levy, his zigging and zagging is so refreshing to me. Because I feel like Dan comes from a place that, I don't know how to say this, but he comes from a place where people don't always have these straight paths yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that, that in order to find happiness in our LGBTQI plus world, people don't have straight traditional gender normative, you know, American dream, whatever paths there. People are doing things differently. And I think what I love about Dan's take on things is you don't have to have the negative reaction to someone coming out of the closet. Your straight son chooses a man. You don't have to have that big episode of everybody fighting. The parents do what parents do. These are my children. I want to do the normal thing. What I loved, because we're seeing the roses grow in this entire arc of the show, the roses have gone from... Uh, riches to rags I loved it and my first my first thought was this is what happens when you let us run shit <laughs> that was my very first reaction and then I got super sad because it was coming to an end and I was very emotional over it because it's very real mm. people in real life do this a lot yeah. We just don't put it on TV. People are like, I love this person. I have friends who've done this. I've done this to a certain degree in two relationships where I'm like, this person wanted to go to New York. Another friend wanted to go overseas. We were having a great relationship, and it's like, we're going to have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking, but it's also you feel so good about wanting something good for someone and for yourself at the same time that I had a, a just a naturally – my shock was, oh shit, somebody's putting these stories on TV. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That, and they're doing it with a straight couple. Do you know what I mean? Because when we, if we start s- seeing <laughs> the real paths, I think that representation is just as important as queer rep. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it was something, it was more like that. And I don't know if that's a normal reaction that other people had. <clears throat> I think Ian had maybe more your reaction. I don't know. I have to ask him. We'll ask him next week. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I understand your feeling, though. I understand it. It's like, what is this? I was thrown off leading into this about, like, why is Dustin Milligan not on the set? <laughs> like, that's why it, I said something dark at the end of the last season i said you know i feel like chad's gonna die in a, like a plane crash or something like when you start sending characters you were off close. set <laughs> right? but like but no dan levy just had him go and have this opportunity because it's in his field of study yeah it's a dream come to his he's a small town boy getting to go and like in the scientific world this is huge for him mm-hmm. this is that that's a big stage for him and he knows that alexis is not going to be like there are no screens on the windows, you know, Alexis is. So initially it was like, she's not going to be able to do that and lay on the beach. And that made her out to be petty. And where is she going to plug in her curling iron? And then it became about her having like her own purpose. And I, I landed exactly where you landed is I was a weeping mess because I was so happy for these imaginary people. And because the show represented something that's very important to show a lack of, to be selfless for the one that you love. Yeah, I think it's important because I I, th- I think I totally agree with you with how I feel like to even a certain extent showing just straight relationship in a more positive and less toxic light is just as important. And I think if you really think about it, I think the reason it, it, it I sat with it so well is that because it would not make sense to have it any other way. Like it wouldn't make sense 
for Alexis to be okay with Ted moving back. And would it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense for Ted to be okay with Alexis putting up with everything in the Galapagos. And it it makes complete and utter sense as to how it ended. And I think it's so it's so different to show how not every breakup is, you know, yelling and screaming and crying. Sometimes it's just putting your head on your your partner's shoulder and saying goodbye. Like it's just it it's just like it just hit me in a way where where I was disarmed by it. I think that's the best yeah. word I can come up with. And I I've watched a lot of episodes with with Dan and a lot of people ask him does he take audience expectation into account and he he's he's famous for saying like to a very small degree but we sure. we do have to keep in mind what is what makes the most sense for the characters and i think i think everyone was expecting for ted and alexis to to finally find their way back to each other because i i think i always knew that this galapagos situation wasn't going to work out i didn't know how but for me i never crossed the bridge of they're going to break up because of it and the way it ended and i have i have some small hope that ted might be at the wedding at the end of the season but i think dustin milligan posted something on twitter that that was his last episode so so maybe so maybe not so we'll just have to see but um i'm interested to see where where alexis goes from here because i think not only showing that she had the strength to put the an end to a relationship that was just diverging into different paths but to do it because she loved herself and knew that it was yes. also the right i think i think we need to put more stock in like these decisions should also be reliant on what happens to us because i feel like we romanticize relationships a little too much that even if you're like you're missing out on something you should be with that person because you're in love and like that's the, that's the only thing that matters well sometimes it's more complicated than that and i think just also the <clears throat> The misinformation that love is all that matters is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Respect matters probably more. If respect becomes becomes before love, then the love is better. Mm -hmm. um, if worth and self worth are placed above love, then life is better. Respect follows. Do you know what I mean? Like so, yeah. these messages when they're put into our pop culture, I really, <laughs> literally in this case, um, I feel like that's beneficial to everyone who's watching. That's why I'm just so excited about Dan Levy putting together stories and, and finding these paths for people and they're not taking the rote paths and you can't figure it out. And I love that I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's little telegraphy things like when she misbooks the flight. Yeah. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that's a big one. You know, was that subconscious? What's going on here? And it turns out, no, no, no. What Levy had planned for Alexis is that she would it's not even like I don't need a man it's like mm -hmm. I can make this choice now and stand on my own two feet and not be a hot mess and still love someone yeah just a beautiful it was beautifully done it was so beautifully done I was just like happy for us mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah I'm getting a little teary talking <laughs> about it can we move on before I start to cry <laughs> I gotta stop touching my face. God damn it! <laughs> I'm gonna have to use the. Not that I've been out in the public today, but uh, you know. You never. I know. did move the car across the street. If this thing is like viral in the wind. Oh yeah, not yet. <laughs> Can't spiral. Can't spiral. Not gonna spiral. Um, 
Yeah, so I just I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. But I love that your take on it. I, I always like your takes on things. I, I don't – sometimes we have similar takes, and then I love hearing, like, how things land with you. I think that's one of my favorite things that we do when we talk about shows that we watch. Likewise. Because I'm like, huh, okay, I don't know. Um, <laughs> your, lo- your take on the Red Wedding. Oh, God, <laughs> so wonderful. I mean, that, that did my cousin in, too, a little bit. But then, then she was like, because she, she had read the book, she was still like, man, it's still fucked up, though, just watching it happen. I'm like, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how not to do a transition. <laughs> Musicals. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to set this one up for you? Yeah. Okay. It's your idea. It was my idea. So, you were supposed to seg. You segged us into shits. You should have well, segged us into this. Uh, it was your turn. Um, <laughs> oh, you're right. It's true. I dropped the ball literally on that Well, one. so I brought this up because I've, I wanted to have a more extensive talk on this because this started when I, I sent you a screenshot from um, the Andrew Lloyd Webber Facebook page. I don't know why it showed up on my feed. I didn't even like the page. I just It just showed up because Facebook is listening. Um, and it said something something weird about musicals, and I sent it to you, and you were like, I'm going to be real. I've always been like a life lifelong hater of musicals. And then I remember being like, oh, but I sent her the musical that I wrote. And then we <laughs> talked about it more, and you're like, well, no, you don't hate all of it, but there's just like some stuff about it that you don't like. You kind of have a love-hate relationship is what I'm getting from it. Like, yes. I don't want to speak for you, but... That's why I wanted no, to bring like, it up because I put you on to Hades Town. I want to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> and then you were like, um, <laughs> it's like basically you have somebody over to your house and you've surrounded them with Italian food and you're halfway into the meal and you're drinking red wine and you're just having the best time. They're like, you know, I hate tomatoes, right? And cheese. <laughs> and <you're> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck. But it's not like I don't, I didn't really realize I had an aversion to it until I was in theater i was in theater in college and we were required to do a musical every semester Mm -hmm. because we had ticket holders was a theater major and i remember like not wanting to really try out for those because i was always go for the leads and all the other shows or i would go for the comic relief depending on how tired i was i was doing like 22 semester hours and sometimes i just wanted to be the comic relief i wanted to walk on stage i wanted to grab all the attention with whatever costume was on and then leave you know after the laughs you know Mm -hmm. uh i was a narcissist what can i say (laughs) and then sometimes i would want the lead like in rainmaker i wanted to do that because we had just built that theater and i really was a small ensemble and i knew a couple of people who wanted to do it and i wanted to work with them but then we were forced to do musicals and i was be like i'll just be in the chorus lisa come on you know you're one of our i was one of the i this sounds immodest now, but I was one of our best actors. I was really good. I, I wanted to do it for a living. But I remember being in the chorus, and um, we were doing The Boyfriend. And I was in the chorus, and I was just, I, it just hit me. I was in performance going, why do we have to sing any of this? <laughs> this would have been over 45 minutes ago if they had just had a conversation at the beginning of this and sorted this all out. This would have been an hour 10 slamming door funny farce. But no, we've drug it out to two hours and 15 because of the goddamn fucking libretto. What the fuck? So I just started getting into this whole existential (laughs) crisis of why are we singing this? 
You know, I feel like some songs and some musicals are there just to stretch it out. Well, you're Unpopular. definitely right on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that's what it, but I'm just like, like Les Mis, there's a couple of just wonderful, beautiful ballads and anthems. And then I'm like, no, we can just talk the rest of this out, right? We can just talk about the rest of it. Just have a conversation. We can just talk. We don't, but no, no. It's just well, door to door, <laughs> wall to wall. Well, yeah, because it's it's supposed to be sung through, which is very hard to do. And very few shows yes. execute it well. Exactly. Why does this still exist? The dodo went out of extinct for for a reason. (laughs) The wall to wall singing musicals, I can't, I can't do it unless they're like funny. Mm -hmm. And then I've been known to nearly be kicked out of theater because I start laughing. Somebody walk in. Off a cat's cast member off your armchair. I did. I was jet lag. I was jet lagged. It was London. It was 1984. We had. I was in like the third row we had really good seats and the i didn't know how or cats seats, started depending it was, on your opinion about cats it was in london it was like a really it was the london premiere of cats mm-hmm. i think it had been running like two months yeah. <laughs> and i'm like a kid i was 19 i was tired i was over it and there was an actor this muscled up actor playing one of the main cats and he was perched on the arm of my chair before the lights came up and I just didn't want it. I didn't <laughs> like it. And he, I could feel the heat of him. It was a hot day. I was like, get the fuck off my fucking. And I just pushed him and he was like, Oi. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they came and had a chat with me. Oh God. He's very nice. It's a very nice man. Nailed Andrew Lloyd Webber himself came up to you and threatened. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, it could have been. He was like, Miss, um, it is a participatory show. I don't know if you've read the literature in the lobby. No, I did not. I'm not uh, here you, for an first... immersive cat experience. I'm <laughs> out of first, here. <laughs> the first 10 to 20 rows will be engaged in the performance. And we are so sorry. Would you like to be reseated? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I was what just that out of the it. The first 10 to 20 rows are, are, they, are they throwing catnip at you? What well, the, because the actors were roaming through the seats, I hate they that were so um, much. <laughs> they would come out, and I just and also because I was an old hand by then, it, by nineteen, I'd been in theater like I don't know eight nine years, and I just wanted to punch this guy in the fucking <laughs> face, and I was like, I don't care, I'm not moving, <laughs> and I didn't read your stupid sign, and if that motherfucker comes near me again. <laughs> I was so I'm such a hillbilly, and they really they you could see them conferring on whether to throw me out. Uh, now me at 19, I can't even tell you what an <laughs> asshole I was. I was lots of fun. I was I was just drop dead, sexy and cute as shit. So it was kind of hard to pick on me because you know I was pretty hot at the same time. I was such an asshole. I was an asshole, and I have I have also laughed in other performances too of musicals. I don't and, hate the um, idea of them in the audience. <laughs> I hate the idea of anthropomorphic cat people and cat makeup mm. crawling around. I, I I just don't like that. Yeah, and this guy was like, he was like cleaning himself. And, oh and, and, and like, <laughs> and he, he was there for like, I swear to God, I'm not remembering this wrong. He was there for like 20 minutes. Like, I, why? I, you can't pay me enough. We have T.S. So I pushed to him. For this. <laughs> Fucking pushed him in the aisle. <laughs> 
Dude, I'm so sorry. It was just, would I do that now? Of course not. Now I would be mortified and I would be horrified if somebody else did it. Would I accidentally nudge him and apologize profusely as I laughed and tried to help him back up onto the edge of my seat? Of course I would. <laughs> but it's ridiculous. And, I, and when they would want us to do that in theater, like let's go out into the audience, I would uh, get into screaming arguments with directors about how intrusive it was and you don't know people's needs or if they need to go to the bathroom or if people have Ebola. I was worried about viruses then. And I would just strictly stay in the center aisle and perform in the aisle. I didn't like, you know, doing those things. Mm -hmm. And then if you had to engage with an audience member, I wanted to make sure that there was, you had to read that person. And it's a lot to do when you're trying to stay on note. Yeah. So touring a company of Godspell, they wanted us to go on the audience. And I was just like, when we got to those parts, my butthole would pucker and I would just hate it. And I would just sort of like offset it by just running through the theater, just doing <laughs> laps through the aisles. <laughs> and everybody knew the jig was up. I'm like, you know, fuck it. Jesus can go and interact amongst the people. <laughs> I'm Gilmer. No one gives a fuck about Gilmer. I've got two songs in this motherfucker. I'm done. What about you? Did you ever have to like run amok in the theater seats? Mm, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not a theater kid. I've never been in theater. I've thought about it. I don't know if it's too late for me. It's never too late. Well, I mean, like my only option is community theater, and I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, no, there's a lot of thirsty, that. scary people in community theater. I well, I know because I I used to do a lot of community theater as a pit musician, and, and I know the types. I know the types quite well. We had um we had This one is person. why you need to watch Waiting for Guffman. I can't tell you how all the things that you I know you. Like remember how long it took me to finally get you to watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Like it just took me a while. Mm -hmm. I am telling you, it's only a couple it's an hour twenty something of your life. Waiting for Guffman has all of the things in it. And it's the only musical I'm just going to 100% say I'm behind. <laughs> the stool song, fucking for it. You know, Corky's uh, breakdown in front of the committee when his budget is cut. It's just, there's just so many jokes stacked on top of it. Mm -hmm. It will become your favorite movie. You will start wearing Corky St. Clair swag. It will become your thing. You will compose a new opus to it. I know you. I don't know what you're putting this off for. <laughs> I'm um, buying the movie tonight and putting it on Prime. Okay. Deal. <laughs> and just starting it in your home. <laughs> Alexa. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Play Waiting for Guffman in Andre's home. Playing Waiting for Guffman. And listening in <laughs> on his conversations <laughs> to make sure he is watching it. Did he get up and go to the bathroom? God damn it. This is the best part. <laughs> No, but Andre, um, there was... are you still listening? Oh, God. No. Um, <laughs> no, there was one time when we had someone... How do I put this delicately? We had someone pull in... We had someone pull an Amber Heard in the prop shop one time, um, begrudgingly. Do you know that what I mean? That means so many things. What do you mean? Like he, He went... He broke into the theater in the middle of the night, and he took a shit on the props what what <laughs> what what is, I, this, what is this shitting thing that people are doing i 
don't understand. Not throw the props away, not like sabotage the theater. Just take a shit, break in in the middle of the night and take a shit on the props. Thankfully, I was not working that next day to find. I found out posthumously that um, that was a thing. And he was and he was never cast in anything ever again. Okay, first of all, how do they know? Did they desperate fingerprints? I think they caught him on like one of the cameras or something. Oh my god. Yeah. It was one of the last ones I did before going to college, so I don't know if he was like ever arrested or like can you be you could be arrested for that, right? Well, breaking and entering, yeah. Or just made into a legend. I don't know. Theater people, man, they're just <laughs> I don't even just... remember why like why he was begrudged. Like he was in the show. It was not like he missed out on being in the show. Like I, st- I don't know. I, st- I think I, to this day I still don't know what caused them to do that. I I just need to hear the story. If we can find him, I would love to have a conversation. Theater people are the fa- my favorite I do though. Not I, and I can't be in it. Five foot pole. <laughs> I never so want to see that man again. Jokes. There's so many jokes. When you said Amber Heard, I'm like falsely accused someone of hitting them. I mean, now I'm getting that the herd is a different. I didn't even know until you told me in the last podcast that she had shat in Johnny's bed. I, Jesus Christ. Anyway, what were we talking about? It doesn't even matter anymore. I'm just so sidetracked by a person who's shitting on the props. Like, well, how does one, is there a table of, was there a prop table? Yeah, it was Did a prop table. Did he have to get up on it? Was how stable were the legs? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I mean, if he did get up on that table, like, that was a risk. Because, you know, all those tables were bought at, like, a Goodwill 75 years ago. And it's rickety as shit. <laughs> Can you imagine the table wobbling as he's trying to... <laughs> He's trying to like exact his revenge on the community theater producers. Anyway, wash your hands. <laughs> the coronavirus is <laughs> This is he had to have been the patient zero of something. What year was this? Where was norovirus? <laughs> oh Trace back to a prop for what was the show? It was a show called Violet. <laughs> I don't think I should have said even... that. Mm. <laughs> I won't tell Are you we which the show now. Are we beeping the show now? I think no, I'm no, no, beeping no, the show. It's fine. No. Okay. I can't. If <laughs> I don't tell fuck? you which theater, you'll never, you'll never guess. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, musicals. <laughs> You're gonna go see one. There's no You're possible. To... Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, there's no possible way to segue from that. Yes, there is. Um, so you're gonna go see Hades Town, where I hopefully no Hades one, <laughs> no one has shot on the props at all ever. I won't know. Maybe someone has. Maybe oh, that's a theater probably... thing that I don't know about that happens all the time. I don't know. I never heard of it. But then again, I don't. You know, I've never heard of it. There's a lot of traditions in theater. Um, maybe that one. guy's actually in the cast of Hades Town, and you'll see him on stage, and it'll be like. I was like, oh, so that's all I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for some people, that is it. That is all you got to do. If I want to get it's in a just... Broadway pit, maybe I'll just like shit on the keyboard or something. 
That seems to be the that's, way. That's talent. That is talent. Bring a ladder. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! I just every thought that I had is gone. <laughs> every I'm looking even at our rundown of things you're going to talk about. And I'm like, fuck it. I don't even. I can't. So, so I'm going. Go so I'm going to see Hades Town. We need to oh rein it back in, or we're just going to get another yeah, okay. episode from <clears throat> yesterday. So yeah, I'm okay. going to see yeah. Hades Town, and I put you on to listening, albeit maybe against your will. I don't know how you feel about it. Not at all. No, I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe in it. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, because I told you this is part of the research I'm doing for the book now, the underworld and blah blah blah, and um, I love it. It's really good. I love all the songs that they're. Their songs just stay in my head. I think that's what I was going to say in defense of where I am now on musicals is that when they're, the songs are so good that you don't even have to be a Broadway person for them to stick in your head. There's a couple of songs that you do in Dorian that are like that, that I'm like, the I can hear these, like, these are hits. These are songs that, you know, are catchy. They're Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, I'm saying there's a couple of songs where you're just like, oh, these are going to stay with me. And maybe you don't remember all of the things that happened between the songs, but it doesn't matter because it's like, and Hades Town is like that too. It's like I'm really relating to it, and also just fuck. This thing was written in 2003. No, so it started. It start. It's had a long history, but it started as a DIY theater project in 2006 in Vermont, mm. and then they did that for a couple of years, and then they did um, a concept album. I think in 2012 and they workshopped it at New York theater, New York theater workshop. Um, and then they took it to London and now it's on Broadway. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a 13 year journey. They've, they've been on Broadway for almost a year now. Uh, they started in March, I think it was like March 13th, 2019 or something like that. Um, it's had a long journey and you can tell that it's had a long journey because it's so tight and almost foolproof, honestly. Because, like, and there are even, like, there's the the concept album they did in 2012, but there's also an album of, it's just a recording of one of the New York Theater Workshop. It's also on Spotify. And I've been, like, sort of, like, tracking and comparing, like, this is one of my favorite things to do is, like, to track and compare how the songs have evolved over the years and like what was changed and what was kept in and like thinking about why did they change it? Why were those lyrics switched out for this? Why did that verse go to that person? And thankfully I think Anais Mitchell, the writer of the show is publishing a, a book this year um, that breaks down all the lyrics from every song. And she, she's going to talk about how she came up with the lyrics and like why why it was written this way and that and i'm just I, I would love to have that because i'm i'm in that boat right now with dorian and it's it, just the lyric writing alone is is the hardest thing um to do for a show like that but no i i got onto it it's always been on my my list of shows that i want to listen to but after the dorian workshop happened i needed something to sort of reset myself and so i decided to start listening to hadestown because i think um someone brought it up Cause I had worn like that red flower that's on like the cast album that like the show's known for, for that red flower. And I had uh, one cause someone gave it to me and I just put it in the lapel of my black jacket for the show. 
and not even knowing that it was a Hades Town, but everyone was like, oh, is that a Hades Town reference? I'm like, no, it's just a Red Flower. So I decided to see what it was all about. And I listened to all of it consecutively. And I was just like immediately fell in love. And it came at a really interesting point of when I was writing the show because the show had just been workshopped. I needed something to reset before I go back into writing. And it just gave me a whole lot of new ideas of what I could do with the show. And it's just like there the the writing of it all and it's interesting because it's also a sung through show um but it does where lamus felt fails with the sing throughness of that show i think that's where hades town succeeds um because there is a lot of like prose that you would like sort of read with like greek myths which is you know the show is based on the greek myth of orpheus and eurydice um and it's very interesting how that's worked into the dna of the show and like i can't even, you can't even really like put a label on the kind of music you're hearing because it draws from so many you've got classic broadway but you also have new orleans funeral marches and you have just sometimes just epic film score and like there's just so many things tying to it which i quite like because i i'm always reassured by the fact when i'm writing dorian that musicals have the advantage of not having one set uh, like clear musical language there's so many wells that you can like just take from and you have to make it make sense i want to make that clear but like there's just so many possibilities to be had and i'm really excited to be seeing the show we're going at the end of march um and I, we really wanted to go because I was like, people start, you know, the, the year contract for everyone in the show is like, it's going to be ending. Like people are going to start leaving and I want to see the show before the original cast leaves. You want to see this cast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Was, and, and I'm glad that you're enjoying it because I was afraid you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, you should never be afraid. I mean, if, if something is not my cup of tea, like I remember feeling this way about Joker. I didn't sit there and snarl the entire time. I did have to pause it a lot. Um, just because it was, I was, it wasn't holding my interest, but I wasn't like flipping tables at the end of it. Like I understand who Ikeen is and what he's trying to do. And I understand what they were trying to say. It's just something that I don't necessarily, I've heard it so many times. It's like, I just go, okay, all right, mm -hmm. you know, cool. Um, and when I do say like people recommend stuff and it's like, I think you're a basic bitch. Normally that comes out of the fact that I'm already having an issue with a person in real life anyway. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, garbage in, garbage out. That's, this is what you consume. So I mean, like with you, you and I, we get along, we're friends, we're homies. I don't think there's any, anything there's ever been. There might've been like initially at the Gotham, like I had to, I had to get through season one. Cause I was like, <sighs> <you know? laughs> yeah. um, and then I got to the probably the meat of it and the good stuff. And then, you know, uh, we all got fucked in the final season. So, yeah, I don't I don't have like a huge aversion to things that I don't like necessarily. I don't super hate things. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an age thing. Maybe it's just a like or, or I'll think, well, I'm not in the mindset for something. Right. Sure. But Hades Town just happened to hit me. It seemed like it was fate for you to find it with the red flower. For me, it was fate because I'm in this kind of journey with the book, the never-ending writing of the book. <laughs> that could be a book. Um, so you're like in this kind of place to be receptive because there have been times when I'm talking to other writing friends and they'll start talking about the underworld or the Greeks or the 
Romans and the different gods. And I'm like, (laughs) really? (laughs) This is well-trodden material. And people do go back to that well so often that I can't. (laughs) I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it just kind of lined up. And then when I started listening to the songs, I'm like, somebody's nailed this on the head. Someone has dialed this in. And I didn't notice it until you just described it, all of those things. It's not just one thing. It feels like it's a lot of genres. And one of my favorite things that writers do these days, creators do these days, is they don't stick to the Sid Field, you know, cut out Butterick pattern of what you should fucking do. (laughs) You can be a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, a little bit classic, a little bit modern. You can have, I love the idea that you're right, you do have that New Orleans ghost boy parade, spy boy kind of thing in there. And I love the kitchen sink kind of approach to things. Mm -hmm. You're right. It also can be a mess. It's not handled properly. But I like that there's a lot of lovely things in there. And it's just, it's one thing to the next. You're never bored. Uh, What I've managed to track through so far, and it's like I'm savoring it, which is very rare for me with, with, uh, I haven't gotten a migraine once. From rolling my eyes. That's good. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll just be like, you know, like I've been, I've, I used to do it a lot. I would go out and see my friends in theater and then I would get there and realize very late. Again, I'd be the first or second or third row because they've given me the tickets mm-hmm. that it's a musical. And I'm like, you're going to sing Defying Gravity right into my face, aren't you? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so, it's a dual performance. It's me trying not to do the inappropriate reaction that I have, like almost like a a reflex mm-hmm. is to laugh. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then my friend knew this about me, and she was like, this guy d- heard that I was her friend coming in, and he's saying, <laughs> just... It wasn't wicked. It was just a, a showcase of songs, and he sang Defying Gravity to me, and I was like, motherfucker i wish God i could it. i really i need to s- i've tried several times to get into wicked there's something about it that's just not clicking for me and i think i just need to see it and then make a decision because i think it's just one of those shows where i have to see it in order for it to make sense because <laughs> right i now love the song i love that song i think that song has got a nice hook i read the book i was cleaning out the garage and somebody nobody claims the book but i found the book Wicked mm-hmm. in the garage of all the effluvium that I was pulling out of there. And I decided to read it because, you know, free book. Here you go. We were doing a bunch of long car trips at the time, traveling all over Los Angeles for various reasons. And I was like, oh, this would be a nice book. And I read it and I thought, this is a really odd story. Um, it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it was dark as shit and really complicated and there's a lot of affairs and strange things going on. And I don't know what they did with the musical because I haven't seen the full musical. I've seen bits and enough pieces of it to see yeah. that the Wicked Witch is in the shadow of her sister. But in the book, it's not that mm-hmm. straightforward. It's just, it's more like telenovela <laughs> in the book. Yeah. But only like witch people. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite story relating to Wicked is that because it's been on Broadway since, like, 2003, there's one pit musician 
and if I remember the story, I'll get this right, but there's one pit musician that is like one of the keyboard players, and because he's been playing it since 2003, he'll literally he's memorized the entire show because you know when you're when you're doing eight shows a week for since 2003, so 17 years, your your brain's just gonna remember it all, and he'll be like reading a book or like the newspaper and just playing the show. That's crazy. It, it's it's insane <laughs> to think about. Um, I could never. Um, but what I what I I wanted to we talked a little bit after after a podcast about the whole thing with the wall in the show, and there's this right. song in the show called "Why We Build the Wall." And when I first listened to it, I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, it's about Trump and blah blah blah." But then after like researching the history of the show and and learning that it's been a thing since 2006 and that that song has been with the show since the very beginning i'm like oh my god because there's some lyrics yeah. in there that it's like the the whole song is basically in the show hades town is sort of this capitalistic factory underworld where people go to escape poverty and they're told that you know they'll they'll be swimming in riches and they'll never be hungry but when when they make the deal to go to the underworld they're they've been lied to and they're forced to work on this wall this never-ending wall that hades has put up around the underworld and he tells them that we're building the wall to keep you free and it's just like it's just this simple call and response song and he's like why do we do this and why do we do that and the workers say because we we are keeping out poverty because we want to be free because they want what we want and it's just like and you said some some really interesting things about just like walls in general and like history and how it's like the death knell of a country which is you know great to think about um now when you start building walls around things that's usually the sign that something's about to die that's what the Romans were wide open and doing pretty good, conquering everybody. And I mean good in a relative way. There was a lot of genocide. And they started building a wall around themselves. People are still trying to figure out why Rome mm-hmm. fell, right? So when these great republics start building walls, things start to fall apart. It's a good sign that you've run out of intelligent options for your republic or whatever it is you're trying to do. Great Wall of China, good example. Now it's just a not so great wall of china according to carl pilkington <laughs> you got to watch that special uh yeah and it does strike me as it, these things are eternally always coming to bad ends it's like i always say about the people who are like trying to nazi it up right now i'm like you guys know what happened with all those guys right <laughs> i mean you know what happened to hitler yeah i saw it right so yeah walls are always uh great symbols of how they're you've just completely come to the end of your mm-hmm. tether. That also sounds like working for Amazon. <laughs> anyway. But there's so this I will circle, I will go ahead. I was gonna circle around to to one this is going to start a ripple of controversy. I'm not trying to start shit, but I feel like one of the the most um satisfying musicals I participated in was Oklahoma. Hmm. And here's why. We had the talking parts where we would have the two characters meet up, have a dilemma. Judd, Judd's a problem. He's wanting to move in on the chick. This guy, Curly, he just wants to be with the girl. It's like Westworld. Everybody just wants to be happy, but Curly, Curly's the man, and he's selfish, and he's going to come in, 
And all of the songs really do make sense with the show. No one's singing about opening the door. They are just opening the door. Okay. And they're not having a conversation about, you know, getting the mustard stain out. They're literally just having a conversation about the thing. And then the song is just like this really fun kind of backing up of the moment, but not being repetitious like you just had a head injury and we're not having to re-explain the musical to you that you just heard the talking part through song. <laughs> so that's what I love about Rodgers and Hammerstein. And maybe it's because I, I really came up with them. It's where I learned how to play, play piano. Um, I played Addo Annie. I love Addo Annie. She's a great comic relief character. And then, you know, she, she what I love about Addo Annie is she's a hoe. And she was uh, out on the Great Plains hoe, and she was proud of it, and I feel like she was a feminist. Uh, that's how I played her. And, um, you know, people try to make her feel homely, and she wasn't buying that. She's like, you're not going to body shame me or face shame me. And there was a lot of really clever shit. There's a lot of subversive stuff put into Rodgers and Hammerstein um, musicals that I quite love. So I would say a good example of what I, I still like are those kinds of and then I like how they put them on screen I like how they translated those to screen there was a lot of beautiful stuff there now I haven't seen one of these in a long time I'll probably put it on tonight and go oh shit this is right wing conservative uh, propaganda I don't know but like I just remember being in those and going this makes sense yeah you know and I would come out it ain't so much a question of not knowing what to do <laughs> I know what's on as long as I've been 10 um it was in, and people genuinely did not nod off in the middle of those. Uh, no one perched on anyone's <laughs> arm of their chair. And then when we did go out into the Virginia Wheel in the aisles, I think only one older gentleman was kicked in the head by one of our hapless dancers. Yeah. So just the one time somebody got stitches. Well, I think um, the reason Rodgers and Hammerstein were as prolific as they were is because they gave a a reason for the music to exist in the story and i exactly. think it's it's really hard because like i mean like you know this is baby's first critique of a musical but like the the purpose of a musical is that when you have information to give you talk and then when you get emotional talking is not enough and you have to sing it and then there comes the problem with how much can the audience feasibly consume why does this song exist exactly. are we doing this there, there are shows ex that exist because it's a it's broadway and there's spectacle and there's tap dancing and there's jump roping and there's all this stuff and completely the tickets and are expensive <laughs> the parking's expensive the hotel's expensive you need them to make it work you and it's an endurance i think feel i feel like sometimes it's an endurance thing because you come all this way and the venue's important, so you have to be tortured for two hours of, I'm going to the door to open it. Yeah. <sighs> Please fucking shoot me in the eyes. No. Well, and that's why, the well, that's why the Anastasia mu musical didn't do so great, because they needed to fill in more music and they just went with you know the communists are coming like there's no there's like yeah, there's no reason exactly. for the music to exist and that's why <laughs> oh they took a wrong turn their uber is almost here <laughs> and like there's i feel like there's i, I don't want to say like like i think there is a a place for spectacle but like going back to lee miss like do we need a four minute song about 
the the landlords and how they cheat their customers. Like, not really. And also, like, what is Les Mis about? Like, being a good person. I've never... F- okay. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. is Phantom about? Um, Don't... I don't understand what Phantom's about. Don't go underground with the mysterious man in a mask. I don't... But then, like, Town, like, what is Town yeah. about? <laughs> it's about income inequality. What? What did I say? Underground with a man in a mask. That's it. That's fucking. That's what it's about. Just put it on the fucking poster. That's all the fucking. That dude is creepy. Why the fuck would you even hang out with him? What is the point of this whole? Oh fuck. Okay. Just don't. Just don't do it. What's the plot? No, but then you get to Hades Town. It's like, well, Hades Town. What is that about? Well, it's about climate change. It's about income inequality. And I'm not saying you have to have topical messages to be relevant or to make your show good but it knows what it's about this is why i had such a problem with joker is because i didn't know what it was about or what it was trying to say with hades town you don't have to work very much to figure out what it's trying to say and yeah i feel like that's the it, it's one of many reasons why it's very popular now because there is a message in there that is being resonated with people and i, I don't know if, if if you've gotten to this one but by the end of the show you know, it's not a spoiler that the Orpheus and Eurydice myth ends with, you know, Orpheus turning around and then Eurydice goes back to the underworld and they don't make it out. And in the show, you know, that happens. And then Hermes, played by the amazing Andre de Shields, he comes on and he says, it's a sad song, but we sing it anyway. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> you're just like, and they even tell you in the very first song, you've got this like upbeat jazz trumpet and these like, mmm, with snapping. And then he's like, it's a sad song. And you're, and you're like, it, it's being telegraphed to you that this is going to have a sad ending. But because it's got upbeat music, I think it's really challenging audiences and how they, they're, they're supposed to be thinking about how musical information is supposed to be conveyed in a musical. And it, Maybe the Joker needed a song. Maybe. I mean, if like that moment where he's like on the stairs was just like a, you know, a Ben Crosby sort of thing, like it was in the trailer and he just started singing, maybe it would have made more sense. I don't know. But that's what I mean. Like there's there are conventions that are being challenged. And that's why Hamilton was so successful is because they were challenging a lot of different things that mostly to do with casting and how we think about American history and all of that crazy thing. Luck be an incel tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Just trying to think of what the Joker song would be. You need to write that up. I, I will not. <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Joker the musical? Jesus yeah. Christ. Somebody's Why done it. So serious. Do it. <laughs> exactly. It's totally built Batman in there. Musical. They did a Spider Man musical starring Reeve Carney. Mama, can you hear me? Can you feel me near you? Mama. Okay, <laughs> uh, Mama just killed you. Um, anyway. Queen the musical. <laughs> Queen the musical. I'm they, well, I think they, has, tried they, it. they did, did it. Did they do it? They have oh. done it. Yeah, they have but done it's it. Like, it was like a jukebox yeah. musical. I think it got slammed initially and then I think it all like leveled out and it did okay. okay. Those poor guys, they just get hammered all the time, coming and going. Poor Brian and Roger, they just keep getting kicked in the teeth because they're not Freddy. Mm. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. Not their fault. Um, they're doing the best they can, guys. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to get us out of here except for to say that <laughs> my recommendations, I'm still, I can't get over the guy who <laughs> shot on the props. I just, I'm still reeling. I'm reeling. 
Uh, if you haven't seen it, John Mulaney's sketch on SNL for LaGuardia. Speaking of musicals, this this goes beautifully go. into what we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, if you haven't seen it, just check it out. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but if you are familiar with your Broadway tunes, the sketch beautifully and epically and classically um, puts two very New York things together, which is Broadway and just how fucking horrible LaGuardia Airport is. It's just, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, I don't even think you had need to know about either of those two things to appreciate the sketch, so I encourage you to check it out. Um, Better Things is back, Pamela Adlon's uh, series on FX. If you haven't seen the series at all, start from the beginning. It's beautiful, funny, hilarious. Pamela was the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. She's been in a lot of other things. You've seen her alongside uh, Louis C.K. And now that he's been canceled, um, she's uh, skittered to the other side of the road. Uh, she's Seriously, she's not Louis C.K. She doesn't <laughs> defend that. And she's doing all okay. And she's one of my favorite people. She rem- I, f- I feel like we could be twins. Me and her and Janine Garofalo were probably all self- separated at birth. I was obviously dropped out of the uh, airplane over a field in Hillbilly Town. Um, and they got to go live in better cities. But I'm not bitter about that. I love being Southern. So, yeah, you should check those things out. Um, and then we also, I got the news. Uh, I don't know if this happened today, but James Lipton has passed away at 93, I want to say. Uh, wonderful interviewer, probably one of my favorites. Uh, just lovely guy, put his all into his craft, and probably one of the last great interviewers on the planet. He's left us, so Godspeed, sir. Is there anything else you any recommendations you have? Um, don't use hand sanitizers. <laughs> yes. Um, they don't prevent you from getting um, viruses. And they also give you a false sense of security. Yeah, love that. Um, in terms of watching, though, I don't have anything to recommend because I, I have um, I have a life. <laughs> I didn't. Oh wow. no, I didn't mean to sound wow. like that. Like I have a life, wow. like just like a normal. You know you you know you are on a not, podcast and you you are a creator on a podcast where we recommend people right. to watch things. You know how people wow. joke like when something crazy happens and they're like, "We live in a society." That's what yes, I tried. I, I, I take it all back. I know you don't mean it that way. You're a nice. You're a nice person. You're a good guy. I have you a don't busy think that life. Way. I know you didn't mean it that mean. Yes, I know you're trying to graduate Spring, from fucking yeah. college, and you're trying to go to New York. And you're moving. There's so many things going on. And your your washer keeps uh, ruining the floors in your apartment. <laughs> and I feel like any moment, uh, the three of you, you were going to get kicked out of that apartment. I'm so worried you're going to be living in a ditch. Um, speaking of viruses and things spinning out of control, you should check out uh, Quacks. Those of us who love Penny Dreadful and we love the, lo- the wonderful Roy Kinnear, he is uh, starring alongside three other amazing actors in the show Quacks. If you didn't catch it in 2017, you can still get it on NBC, other platforms. Just do a general search on your Roku or Fire Stick or the Googles, whatever you, uh, Bing. Is anybody still using <laughs> Bing? Um, if, you're, if you're out there searching for things, go look for Quacks. It's really hilarious. It's taking, like, all of these actors like Roy Kinnear, um, and you'll notice, like, Andrew Scott plays a hilarious Dickens. Mm. His Dickens... We saw it last night. We were weeping. We were crying so hard. He, he plays Dickens as this mopey, self-absorbed, narcissistic asshole. There's one scene with Andrew Scott. He was a hot priest, by the way. 
mm-hmm. in Fleabag. So Andrew Scott is, uh, and also I think he played Moriarty mm-hmm. in Sherlock. So he shows up as Dickens, and he was like, I, I didn't actually write last night. I, I cried. <laughs> That's me. Through my tears, I, I thought of the children. So it's you have to you have to watch it. There's only six or seven episodes of the first season in 2017. So that's my recommendation. If something you want, and again, it's it's if you want to watch Monk and then bookend it with uh, Quacks, you get this whole medical <laughs> fucking rundown. That's awesome. Um, there's just a lot of funny takes on how medicine used to be practiced in this really horrible, grandiose way and uh, hapless. There's a dentist who's trying out drugs on hookers at night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this, you know, the blowhard, Roy plays this blowhard uh, doctor who wants to showboat for people. Like people, there was no HBO, there was no TV, so they would come and watch people perform theater. And he has this bloody doctor's coat. He said, the bloodier the coat, the more... Famous, the doctor. So he's performing surgery with all of these people's blood just stained on his coat and sticking fingers into mm-hmm. things. So if you are phobic, it will put you on the roof or uh, you will be howling in the streets or you'll find it completely This funny is a like great opportunity so. to mention that um, everything that we've talked about in this ep- episode, don't try to consume it all in one day. <laughs> I would... <laughs> I would sort of like give it a couple of days in between unless you want to end up like emotionally incapacitated in the hospital, which we know no one can or shit on props somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, don't do it. I want to recommend the shitting on the props thing we were joking about. That's how you get on Broadway. That's not how you get on Broadway. Please don't take us seriously. I don't want to be blacklisted from Broadway.com because (laughs) someone sent them a link. To this episode for as justification for, for defecating on a like a prop gun or something. I don't want that. Is, I don't want to be blacklisted. Is this how the um is this how the coronavirus starts? You start free association. You can probably listen to all of these in one day, but I would not recommend following that up with the Ted and Alexis thing because you'll just be knocked out from both things at the same time. You'll get whiplash. And then move on to quacks and finish it and off then, with like, monk. Maybe and maybe like top it off with the LaGuardia skit at the end of the week. Or maybe start with that. I don't know. Just like just be careful with the order in which I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> just be careful in what order you consume this all. Maybe in the order in which we discussed. I think that's a good well never mind. Don't <laughs> just talk to Don't say start with coronavirus. And goodbye. <laughs> We just had to say, we had to say goodbye. I just, I feel like I have a fever. <laughs> I need to go get the thermometer out. <laughs> I gotta go check the symptoms on the CDC website. Five takes. Oh for my this. god, you guys! <laughs> it's, it's what we do. It's 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 the art we create. Oh, like so much crap in the props room. Every day we Here stray farther from God's light. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>